1: every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy without holiness no one will see the Lord see to it that no one misses the grace of God that's unmerited favor do not deserve it and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many it allows a breeding ground for bitterness it's exactly what happened to King Saul the first king of Israel he became embittered against David and because the bitterness was allowed to remain and grow over time that bitterness
0: King Saul, the first king of Israel, grew bitterness in his heart towards King David. This caused tension and division that eventually led to destruction. In today's message, Pastor Danny warns against having a seed of bitterness. Bitterness not only leads to a multitude of sins, but it divides the body of Christ. The Bible says to make every effort to live in peace with man. How are you doing with this? Do you have bitterness in your heart towards someone or something? Give it to God and let it go. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Colossians chapter two, as he continues his message, forgiveness.
1: was a dirty, rotten, sneaky thief. Moses was a murderer. And even after being humbled 40 years on the backside of the desert and became a humble leader for God, they're leading Israel in the wilderness wanderings. Years after leading them, he gets angry with the people. And he strikes the rock twice. And he forfeits a trip into the promised land. Moses. Samson. I've taught on Samson many times. I can teach the life of Samson from three chapters in Samuel, 1 Samuel. I can teach it in about 45 minutes. But that 45 minutes covers 20 years of his life and ministry. And over those 20 years, lust of his flesh, lust of his eyes, and you talk about pride, Samson. And finally he hit the wall. Samson, he saved. David, oh yes, man after God's own heart. But he also, an adulterer, a murderer. This is our heritage. Matthew was a tax collector. Peter, James, and John. Pillars of the faith. And in Jesus' greatest hour, when Jesus says, can you not pray with me so that you will not fall into temptation? And three times they fell asleep. All the apostles deserted Jesus at the hour of the cross. Mary Magdalene, my sister in the Lord. She was given over to the devil. Jesus cast seven demons out of her life. Woman caught in adultery. She's in heaven. John chapter eight, verse 11, Jesus says, where are your accusers? And she looks around and they're gone. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go leave your life of sin. I've forgiven you. That's basically what he said. I've forgiven you. Jesus having dinner in the home of Simon, the Pharisee. And in the midst of that dinner party, a woman that everybody in town knew. We are not given her name, but they knew her. It says she was a sinful woman. She had a reputation. She burst into that dinner party. She begins to wet Jesus' feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. And Jesus looks at her. He says, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee who was blind to the depth of his own sin. But after... He came to know Jesus. You read his writings in the new Testament and you can't help, but see the older he got in the Lord, the more clearly he saw how despicable his own heart was. And that's why he writes in first Timothy chapter one, verse 15. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. And then the thoughts caused him to break out in this doxology. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Hey, listen, God's forgiveness is free. Costs Jesus his life, but it's free for us free Isaiah 55 what, what a great great chapter you might want to turn there I'll read for you Isaiah 55 come all you who are thirsty come to the waters you who have no money come buy and eat come buy wine and milk without money and without cost Verse six, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. Now that sets up these two next verses that sometimes we pull out and quote without understanding the full context. Here they are for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways. My ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And those verses, the context of those verses is, here's the deal. God will forgive people we won't forgive. God will have mercy on people we won't have mercy on. The Ninevites, God forgave them. Jonah wanted them damned. God's forgiveness, free. Revelation 22:17. 17. The spirit and the bride, the bride is the church, say, Come. It's an invitation. And let he who hears say, come. Whoever's thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Not only is it free. Oh, oh, I'm going to get Jesus bumps on this one. It's complete. It's final. Psalm 103, verse 8. What he's saying is, it's infinity. It's like east, will never meet west. It's infinity. That's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. You can't really chew on this for very long and ever come to a church service and not sing. You're saying, he just rebuked me. You can't chew on this and really get a hold of it and come to a church service and not sing. Complete and final. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I'll make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I'll put my laws in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. And then he adds, (laughs) then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there's no longer any sacrifice for sin. Still today, sometimes I mess up and I want to make it up to God. And there's nothing I can do. There's no sacrifice. My righteousness is filthy rags. I don't know if you heard the story about the bishop and the young nun. The nun claimed to have had a vision of Jesus. So she's called before the bishop and the bishop questions her. And uh, in his questioning, he said, did you talk to Jesus in this vision? And she said, well, yes. Well, after a little further discussion, the bishop put a test to her and says, if you have another vision of Jesus and you talk to him, ask him, what was your bishop's primary sin before he became a Christian? Three months later, she made an appointment with the bishop and she tells him in that meeting, I had another vision of Jesus. And once again, I talked to Jesus. And so the bishop asked the nun anxiously and a bit apprehensively, if she had asked Jesus the question, what was your bishop's primary sin before he became a Christian? She said, well, yes, I did. And he said, well, what did he say? She said, the Lord said, I don't remember. Now, forgiveness is one thing. Forgiveness, that's amazing. That's am- Forgiveness, forgiven of all of her sins. But catch this. God not only forgives us, he declares us righteous. This is one that somebody today as a Christian needs to grab a hold of with your spiritual teeth and sink them down into, because maybe you've never totally grasped it and tasted it. He declares us righteous. Here's what he says through Isaiah once again, Isaiah 1:18. come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. No blemish, no dark spot. Get this. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now listen carefully. I can stand here right now and by faith, my faith in Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, I am as righteous as Jesus Christ is righteous. I didn't say I'm Jesus Christ. I didn't say I'm God. Never will be. But if I'm not as righteous as Jesus Christ is righteous, I'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus meant when he said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven because their righteousness was based on them comparing themselves with other people and not the glory of God. Only perfection is going to make it into heaven. And only my savior was perfect. And his perfection has been, here's the word, imputed. Imputed. To me, by faith. That's amazing. You chew on that. You not only will sing, you'll shout. <laughs> oh man, I'm as righteous as Jesus Christ is righteous because of his sacrifice for me. I love what Paul says to the Corinthian church. You talk about a bunch of pagans. The church at Corinth, their history. And here's what Paul writes. First Corinthians chapter 6 Verse 9, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. He not only forgives us, he declares us righteous. And because of that, listen, you have the ability to have a clear conscience. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now, I hope you're receiving all that. But here's the curveball. Here's where the rubber meets the road. I mean, the forgiveness we have, the grace of God, the mercy of God in our lives, the fact that we're declared righteous by faith in Jesus Christ, we can have a clear conscience. It's forgiveness that forgives. If you really got it, if you've really received it, forgiveness that forgives. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Wow. Colossians, bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have toward one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is especially vital for us living in these last days. I hope you know we're living in the last days. Paul writes in 2 Timothy about the days that you and I live in. And here's what he says. Mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving. And then it says having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And one of the things that true godliness gives us the power to do is forgive. Forgive our enemies. The way God forgives. Can't do it myself. I need help. First martyr of the Christian church, a man named Stephen, Acts chapter 7, records for us that as they pelted him with stones before he died, he said, Father, don't hold this sin against them. Where did you get that? The apostle Paul, when he's writing 2 Timothy chapter 4 near the close, he said, Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him. Then he says, at my first defense, when he stood before the court, he's imprisoned. As he stood before the court at my first defense, everybody deserted me. There he's talking about it, the church. There he's talking about believers. May it not be held against them. That's what he said. Where'd they get that stuff? Jesus says he hung on the cross. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Now, let me be honest. Hopefully I'll get a witness here. My greatest challenge in my life as a Christian is not forgiving you for something you do to me. That's not my greatest challenge. I'm not saying I'm not challenged with that sometimes. Okay, my greatest challenge is when you do something to someone I love. You mess with my wife, his name is Hayden, and he does have a shotgun. My second born. And then after he shoots you, I'll beat you up. Some of you are going, what is going on in the pastor's family? Yeah. King David, his son Amnon, raped his half-sister, Tamar. Her full-blood brother, Absalom, plotted for two years, and then he murdered Amnon. If you read the story, it's very clear to me that David never forgave Absalom. It's clear to me when you read the story. Didn't forgive him. Absalom became a rebel. He and his father were just... The relationship was just severed, at least from Absalom's part. And David, it's clear to me, he never really forgave Absalom. Now, Absalom is responsible for his own sin. But I wonder if things would not have been different had David really forgiven his son. And listen, David would not forgive Absalom of sins that he was guilty of. David himself was guilty of. David was an adulterer. David himself was a murderer. And God had totally forgiven him. And he writes a psalm. And he says, blessed is the man whose sin he'll never hold against him. David knew what it was to be forgiven of adultery. He knew what it was to be forgiven of murder, but he couldn't find himself forgiving his son for similar sins. Here's what happens when we choose not to forgive. One, we're in prison. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. The rabbis taught if you're going to be really spiritual, three times in a day. And if you'll forgive him three times in a day, you're really spiritual. So Peter's trying to be extra spiritual. How about seven, Lord? And Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77. Some translations, 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven... He's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The Servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay you back everything. So his master took pity on him, canceled the debt, let him go. But When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me. This fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant and he said, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Not only does it imprison us, fellowship with God is hindered. Matthew chapter six, verse 14. If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Wow. That's heavy. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. If you're offering your gift at the altar in there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. That's unmerited favor. Doesn't deserve it. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. It allows a breeding ground for bitterness. It's exactly what happened to King Saul, the first king of Israel. He became embittered against David. And because the bitterness was allowed to remain and grow over time, that bitterness became a foothold. Ephesians 4 says, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And the next verse says, don't give the devil a foothold. A foothold not dealt with becomes a stronghold, a stronghold. My last little booklet we put together based on a study of Philemon is called Forgiveness That Forgives. I want to read you just a little section from this. In a popular 2012 song titled Forgiveness, Christian artist Matthew West sings, Forgiveness, it'll clear the bitterness away. It can even set a prisoner free. The prisoner that it really frees is you. These lyrics may have been inspired by the words of Louis B. Smedes, a renowned professor of theology and ethics at Fuller Theological Seminary. He expressed a similar sentiment years earlier in his book, Forgive and Forget. When you release the wrongdoer from the wrong, you cut a malignant tumor out of your inner life. You set a prisoner free, but you discover that the real prisoner was yourself. Whenever I think about forgiveness and its power to set us free from our self-made prisons, I can't help but think of Corey Ten Boom. Corey and her family were Dutch Christians who risked their lives by opening their home as a refuge for Jews and underground workers hiding from the Nazis during World War II. Eventually, the 10 Boone family was arrested and imprisoned in concentration camps. Corey and her sister Betsy spent 10 months together in three different camps, all the while sharing the gospel and Christ's message of love and forgiveness. At age 59, Betsy died at Ravensbrück concentration camp near Berlin. Her father, nephew, and brother also died, but Corey survived. At 53, Corey began to minister as Betsy, before her death, had implored her to do. Tell people what we have learned here, that there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. In the three decades to follow, God used Corey powerfully around the world as she testified of God's love and his supernatural power that enables us to forgive our enemies. In her autobiography, The Hiding Place, Corey tells about her ongoing lessons in forgiveness. One day while speaking at a church in Munich, Corrie found herself face-to-face with one of her former jailers, a man who had treated her and Betsy with terrible cruelty. Her initial response came like a flood of memories and emotions that felt nothing like heavenly forgiveness. As she reeled inside, the guard introduced himself, telling Corrie, He had become a Christian. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein. He said, to think that as you say, he has washed my sins away. Corey stood frozen, wrestling with thoughts of her dear Betsy's tragic death. She recounts, even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Silently praying for God's help and with the force of her will alone, she extended her arm in faith to give him a mechanical shake. But at that moment, she touched his hand. The Spirit of God began to flow like a current of love filling her entire being. It was nothing less than supernatural. God's healing warmth saturated her, almost overwhelming her.
0: We're so glad that you joined us for today's edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again or more from Pastor Danny, visit ccfstpete.church. You're also invited to join our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. This is a great way to dive into the Word of God. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of this program? You never know how someone might be impacted by hearing about God and His Word over the radio. So please pray that anyone listening today would be open to hearing the gospel message. We ask that you pray for soft hearts and receptive minds to the grace Jesus offers to everyone. Pray also that we'd continue to seek God's will for this program, and that we'd have the courage to follow Him wherever He leads. As you pray, let us know if God would lead you to support the Living Word financially. If you'd like to give any amount to this ministry, please visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the Give tab. We're so grateful for the support. Thanks for praying with and for us. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Danny will share more on Christian Basics next time, right here on The Living Word.